So good morning, everyone. I heard that uh, summer was over. I'm still grasping onto it, so I technically have until next week. And summer just showed up last week, so I'm not going to let it go right away. So here, let me just pray here. Father, with uh, everything that we do, Lord, uh, we want to worship you. Uh, give us understanding and wisdom as we study your word. Uh, and Lord, I just pray that you would bless our time. Amen. So open your Bibles to Second uh, John. If you don't have a Bible, I'm going to have the uh, uh, verses up there. You know, John wrote uh, this church in order to help them deal with uh, false teachers that were going around spreading false doctrine. Uh, the Bible says that we are to keep ourselves from false teachers and from their errors. Whether it's a, a visiting speaker, whether it's uh, a faith-based publication, even music with bad doctrine, whether it's any of those things, we are to keep ourselves from it. Because if we don't, that bad doctrine will lodge itself into our minds. And we might mistakenly think of it as actually true doctrine. And then we start teaching it as such. I still remember when I was a fairly new convert. I was talking with his Bible teacher and he was talking about Solomon. And I remember telling him how, how I had read about how the Queen of Sheba, once she was done visiting with Solomon, she returned to her home country with her son, which Solomon had fathered. And Solomon had given her all these uh, scribes and Levites to bring back home so they can continue worshipping uh, the Lord. And he kind of gave me this strange look like he was confused with what I was saying. So when, he, when I returned home later on, I was like digging through the Bible for hours trying to find this text that I was talking about. It wasn't in there. So I had a good laugh about it because I realized it was a movie about Solomon that I had watched. Needless to say... Uh, when I realized that, it made me realize just how easy it is for bad teaching to enter into our thoughts. So we have to protect ourselves from false teachers and their errors. Verse 1 from our text here. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we, have received, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. 
If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. You know, the, the task of writing a well-thought-out letter is something that the average person does not do anymore. Uh, and in this age of instant communication, uh, I think letter writing uh, is an underappreciated instrument to build relationships. We have these large social circles, and yet our relationships are about as deep as a shag carpet. I remember as a child, my mother, <clears throat> excuse me, my mother would be sitting at the kitchen table with pen and paper, and she'd be writing letters to her kin or her friends. And while the telephone conversations were filled with, uh, you know, pleasantries and the day-to-day things, the letters were communication reached a deeper level. So imagine, if you will, you haven't seen some dear friends in a while, and you want to send them a note. They live like thousands of miles away. They, uh, they don't have a phone. They don't have text or email. They don't even have a post office. But thankfully, somebody in the church is willing to take this arduous journey just to deliver your note here. You're given one sheet of paper. You probably wouldn't waste any white space. You would probably not think, talk about things that really don't matter. Every word you use would have a high value to you. And your friends would realize that and they would have a lot of value <clears throat> to them as well. You know, John takes the time here and he writes this letter to his dear friends. And this letter reveals a deep spiritual connection. His words are just overflowing with love. And you know, as Christians, we have this love for one another. But it's not a love because we have so much in common. For instance, think of just how different all of our backgrounds are in here. You know, there are different professions, uh, different levels of wealth. Some are into baseball, some are into fishing. But I think it goes without saying that not all are into the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay? But we can forgive that. Okay? Because what we do have in common, it far surpasses all of that. You know, our faith is in the Lord. And our love for Him is what draws Christians together. Look again at verse 6. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Jesus said in chapter 15 of John's Gospel, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, 
that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, according to the Bible, the source of truth is the Bible itself. We don't have to go to extra biblical authorities. And our love for the Lord is actually based on what he has revealed in his word. And our love for one another is based on our love for him. And as much as we try to build deep relationships with our fellow Christians, if it's not based on a mutual love of Jesus Christ, it will never truly be fulfilling. You know, we try to deepen our relationships by uh, relating to other things that other people like or uh, the day-to-day things. But did you ever notice that doing so, it actually it doesn't make the relationship grow any stronger? It actually falls short of our expectations, I find, when you try to connect at that level. But if we base our relationship on Jesus Christ and the truth that's found in his word, then our relationships actually grow stronger and deeper. Now, I'm not saying let's dispose of the pleasantries, uh, let's not talk about day-to-day things, you know, or just how the leaf's lost again, you know. But what I'm saying, though, is that in order for our relationships to get stronger and more meaningful, we have to eventually shift that conversation to the things of God. I know that when Sarah and I are talking about everyday things, she'll often get this glazed look over her face. But when we start talking about the Bible and our relationship with Jesus, different topics about the Bible, our our conversation now goes from physical to a spiritual level, much more profound. Because now we aren't just connecting, like I said, at a physical level. It's spiritual. And it's only made possible because of our mutual relationship with Jesus Christ. So therefore, a relationship that's built on truth is far superior to one that's built on commonality. You know, the joy that unfolds for those relationships is just like a little taste of what eternity has to offer. You know, try meditating on this reality for a minute. Our current relationships will improve exceedingly once we get to heaven because these barriers or pretenses, they're not going to be there anymore. You know, one day, you're going to have a meaningful relationship with Adam, with Abraham, with Moses. But as, as fantastic as that might sound, you're going to have an even deeper relationship with Jesus. You'll be able to commune with him like never, ever before. Because, see, this sinful flesh is not going to be a barrier anymore. However, while we remain here on earth, we can acquire a little taste of that future event. If we remain in the truth, and if we get into some meaningful discussions about Jesus and his word with each other. So as we can see from uh, John's letter, the theme is, Truth, obviously. He hits that point so many times. You know, and it's such a pleasure when you meet somebody that's into the truth, when they're holding on to that truth. 
John says in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. I'm not sure if everyone's aware of this, but uh, in 2016, they had the word of the year. It was post-truth. It was crowned by the Oxford Dictionary. It's defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. You know, but the reality is post-truth is not a new phenomenon. It began in the Garden of Eden. Remember when Lucifer said to Eve, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so from that point on, any person that has not put their faith in the Lord has been living in a post-truth world. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, the only uh, source that I was able to find of pure, unadulterated truth is the Bible. And I think if you ask anyone that has studied it with the intent of actually finding God, they will attest to the truth of that. The first half of the letter talks about uh, a love for Christ, a love for truth, a love for believers. The second half discusses deceit as opposed to love. It talks about erroneous teaching as opposed to Bible truth. Compromise instead of walking in the commandments, which ultimately brings about death instead of life. Let's look at verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ He hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. As followers of Jesus Christ would uh, travel from town to town, they would stop at these local home churches, and then they would teach. Kind of like when we have a guest that's uh, on the mission field and they're making their way through town. You know, they'll have them up here and they'll, they'll be a guest speaker. But what was happening is some of the people that were making their way in were not actually Bible believers. They claimed to believe in Jesus. They, they seemed legitimate. But they had differing views on the events that actually took place. And John was warning this church about these these Gnostics that were going around spreading false doctrines. He gave the church this litmus test. He said, ask them if Christ has come in the flesh. See, John was filled with the Word, with the Holy Spirit, and with wisdom. So, 
he was able to discern these, these subtleties in their peculiar doctrines. Subtle because they would use Bible language, but it dis- didn't necessarily have the same definition behind it. So in order to define what they truly meant, you would have to start digging and asking them questions. For example, you could ask a Gnostic, hey, did God create the world? And they would say, absolutely, of course, yes, he did. The problem is that they would define the word create differently than what the Bible describes as create. See, while the Bible describes God creating a physical world that he fashioned in six uh, literal days, the Gnostics will say that he emanated it or that he brought it forth from himself, therefore he's in everything. It's what we would call pantheism. The Gnostics would tell people that they needed to be saved. It sounds fantastic. Oh, cool, they're talking about salvation. Not salvation from sin like the Bible would teach, though. Then it was salvation from the ignorance of the uh, spiritual realities. So it makes you realize that New Age teaching really isn't that new after all. They believed in Christ, but their Christ was different than Jesus. See, they said that Christ descended on Jesus at the baptism, but that he left just before he died on the crucifixion. That's why John says in verse 7, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You'll notice that John, he purposefully uses and puts the words together. Jesus Christ, it's one person. And he also describes him as having a physical body. He was not some spirit being as some of the people were teaching. He was fully God while being fully man. And apparently this wasn't the first time either because John had to address similar things in his first letter. First John, verse 1, telling him where he stands. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. So obviously John was a man filled with with wisdom and understanding, like Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man that gains understanding. And, you know, that same godly wisdom and understanding is available to any Christian. In James 1.5, we read, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally. And I, ha- I love how, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, John gives us some wonderful insight in, in verse 9. He says, Whoever transgresses and doth not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. In other words, false doctrine, it tries to bypass Jesus. It will not agree with what the Bible plainly and clearly says about him. And that's, if that's the case, that means they don't even have the Father 
They could say, oh yeah, yeah, I believe in God. And Jesus, not so much. If they don't have the Son, they don't have the Father. The Bible says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. You know, I much, much prefer God's method of uh, sorting false doctrine. Uh, because it's so much easier than having to memorize what all these cults are teaching with all their false teachings. There's so many things being taught out there. You just go to, straight to the doctrine of Christ. Try it, try it next time. It's, it's phenomenal what people will, will come up with. Some might say that you know, Jesus uh, was a created being. Maybe he's a prophet. Um, some say he's an angel. Um, some say he's a new age guru. You'll find that there's no lack of opinions out there. None of them are new. They all think it's a unique thought to them. None of this is new though. But you can take it to the bank that they're going to try to bypass what the Bible says and teaches about Jesus. They won't agree that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. That he is the only one that is able to wash away our sins. That he's the creator, the redeemer, and the judge. They won't agree that you have to repent, put your faith in him and his finished work on the cross when he shed his blood in order to have the remission of sins and be saved. Some might teach that you have to try to be good enough to earn your way or that you'll become a god yourself eventually. Or you have to have some connection with some special church somewhere. Or, you know, maybe you need one of God's representatives to absolve you from all your issues and sins. Or maybe you just, you know, uh, deal with the angels and spirit beings and Mary and all these different things. It's so complicated. Just go straight to the doctrine of Christ. The Bible teaches that we're going to go directly to Jesus because only he can forgive us our sin. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. So he continues in verse 9. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there comes any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed, for he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So here John is telling them, you know what? You need to test these guys. Make sure they have the proper Jesus. Otherwise, don't allow them to teach to the church family. Don't even say, God bless you to these guys. Because you know? obviously you don't want somebody that's going around propagating false doctrine. You're not going to wish them well. Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. No, you don't want them to do well. And if someone in the church is blessing them and, you know, be careful. They might be of the same character. In other words, if somebody is all hunky-dory with these people, you might have a false teacher. You heard those redneck jokes? You might be a false teacher if, you know, add it here. In the book of Jude, in verse 3, we read, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you 
and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he keeps adding that. Jesus Christ, his one person. You know, it's no different uh, today. There's nothing new under the sun. There are people that are wanting to become church members in different churches, not because they love Jesus and not because they love the brethren. It's because they want to sway the church's stance on the Bible. You know, and when those churches push back, well, those people, they just slowly grind at the membership until they have enough people on their side that they can affect the change from within. I'm not talking about changes in seating plans or the color on the walls. I'm talking about damnable heresies that are bringing into churches. Like suggesting that maybe God isn't so concerned with sin. Or maybe, hey, Let's relabel sin as some uh, uncontrollable genetic issue. Maybe it's the way the, and the upbringing. But, you know, there's always a reason for why we sin. Maybe it's because we're sinners. In any case, they try to circumvent the clear teaching of the Bible. And they do this in order to justify their lifestyles. And then you end up with people that have yet to be transformed by the blood of Christ and they're at the helm of the church steering it away from biblical precepts. Verse 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children... Of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. I love how uh, this last part, how John just kind of brings it to a close. It's like, you know what? No, no matter what is going on, even in the midst of horrible things, of the, all the things that are going on in the world, I mean, even with these antichrist teachers or being thrown in prison or tortured, John still has a joy. And he has this, that joy that it's beyond comprehension to people that don't know Jesus Christ. It's not, he's not delusional. He's not living in la-la land. It's because he has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a joy that's rooted in that relationship. You know, think of it. The creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of lords, And the king of kings is his personal friend. Let that sink in. How can you not have joy? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Does that have meaning to you? I used to sing that song going to church before I was a Christian, thinking that's a beautiful song. Once I got saved, I realized, wow, this guy knows what he's singing about. See, if anything, John is in the ultimate reality. See, the cloak of this world has been lifted, so now he knows where his future lays. 
And he can't wait to see his friends face to face again. I mean, they're going to be rejoicing in the Lord again. You know, whenever I, I do my Bible studies, it just, it just blows my mind, all the stuff that's in there. I, could, my, I had somebody say, oh, you've, you've read the whole Bible? I said, yeah, like all, a few times. More than once? It's like, yeah, you don't understand. This book's alive. You can read it your whole life, and you'll never be done. But with that being said, I used to be sitting there in the, in the chairs before I was a Christian. So it might not connect with everybody. And it makes me think, like, when I was sitting in the chairs, or the pews, depending on what church it was, the chairs are much more comfortable, by the way, you know, I would have liked it if somebody would connect the dots. And I like it when here people are speaking. They connect the dots. You go to a lot of churches, and I'm not talking about just cultic churches, but just churches in general. And it makes you think, why are they not connecting the dots for people? It's possibly because they're dealing with this very topic here. These people have crept in, and they don't allow the gospel to be proclaimed from, from the, the microphone in this case. So there might be somebody here today. I don't want to assume everybody's saved. There might be somebody here today. And you don't understand how, how can this guy still have joy in the midst of all of this? How can he be going through some difficult things and still have joy? You know, and you've been searching for that kind of hope like for a long time. And you've been going to church services like I used to go to church services. But you still can't definitively say that you have peace with God. You can't say that you know what it actually means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the God that created the universe. You don't know what it actually means to have a personal relationship with him. And you don't know that if you were to die today that you would actually be in heaven, in God's presence. If that's the case, you need to resolve this today. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's why he has joy. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And you know what? If you don't have a Bible, come and see me after. We'll get you one. It's like what John said. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for leading uh, John to write this letter to the church. 
Lord, to remind us of the value of studying Your Word. Lord, what a precious, precious Word it is. And for also demonstrating Your love towards us, Lord. Father, I pray that You would lead us as we leave this place and as we continue to worship You uh, throughout our week. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, again, we just thank you for your goodness and love. Help us, Father, to be the people you want us to be, a people just singing your praises and being a fragrance to others to come and join our family. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. And just a reminder to stay for a bring and share.